Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 1 through 8a. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, for you, he is not here, Jesus of Nazareth. You are looking for him who has been crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, there's a place they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled for the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O Lord, our rock, our only strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Alice McKenzie lived in Pennsylvania, and she tells the story of an Easter in which they were new to the community, and they had gotten a little beautifully colorful postcard sent to all the neighbors in the neighborhood that the local United Methodist Church was having an Easter egg hunt. They showed up on time, and so did all the neighborhoods. They didn't expect such a crowd. And so the women went into the kitchen, and they started boiling and coloring more eggs and sent somebody to the grocery just in case the chocolate was still available. Well, they knew they couldn't handle all of the children in one mad dash, so they put them in groups. Who decided to send the oldest first? <laughs> Was not thinking. Alice McKenzie's daughter, Rebecca, at the ripe age of three, went hunting and came back with an empty basket. Normally a shy child, she walked right up to the Easter Bunny and said, there are no eggs. The Easter Bunny said, oh, I'm so sorry, honey, but we ran out. Rebecca said, but you 
are the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny looked at Mom with pleading eyes, and she just let him hang there. <laughs> at that moment, one of the ladies of the church runs up and gives her a hastily colored egg and said, here, sweetheart, here's an egg for you. And Rebecca looked at it and said, it's not chocolate like they have. <laughs> Needless to say, Alice drove home by way of the grocery to purchase an extra large bunny and which she let her eat more of it than was probably wise. <laughs> it was a disappointing end to what had been a very promising story and adventure. The ending of Mark's gospel could also be described as disappointing and end to a very promising adventure that just kind of falls flat. No Easter eggs, no bunnies, no chocolate, only awkward, unsatisfying, and distressingly incomplete endings. Here's what we know about the ending. Although there are numerous later manuscripts of Mark's gospel that have alternate or longer endings, all of the earliest manuscripts end this way. It would help if I put this on, wouldn't it, Brian? I'm so sorry. What do you do with the rookie? <laughs> Which means that Mark is most likely ending the story where he intended it. Awkward, incomplete, and filled with fear. Now we know that there is good news. The messenger that stands in the place of Jesus says he's been raised. The three women he commissions to go and tell it. And then they utterly fail at the task. Leaving in fear and saying nothing to anyone. More distressing still, if this is really the last part of Mark's original story, then there is no scene with a resurrected Christ to comfort the disciples in their doubt and to call forth their faith and their hope. It is such a lousy ending that later monks copying this text, decided to take matters into their own hands and add an ending or two to try and make it more like the other Gospels. Today we read the short ending. If you'd like to feel better, you can read the rest. But let's take seriously for a moment that Mark knew exactly what he was doing. 
What if he crafted an incomplete ending by design? What if he let the disciples' response hanging in this moment of failure and disappointment for a reason? Why would he do that? Well, let's look at the story. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Salome go to the tomb on Sunday morning thinking that there's only one thing left to do. Jesus' death ended with the Sabbath, and now they must offer the proper burial rituals to Jesus by anointing his body. Their big problem, they believe, is the stone in front of the tomb. That large stone blocking the entrance may give them a problem and prevent them access to Jesus' body. Now, isn't it just like us to think we understand the problem? On arrival, they actually find the opposite problem is true. Jesus is not available because his body is locked behind a huge stone. Not at all. He's not there. A young messenger dressed in white tells them that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And more than that, he's alive and away on other business. He's gone to Galilee, and they should get on their way, go and meet him. And that's where they run into the real stone. As it turns out, the women are too shocked or afraid to say anything to anyone, and the rock they experience is right here. Now, it's just like Mark to tell it this way. For there are two consistent and persistent themes throughout. There's the one about the closest to Jesus being those who are the most clueless. In fact, Mark frames his whole teachings about Jesus with two blind stories, signifying that those who are the closest will need more insight than they've got. Three times he predicts his own passion, and the disciples walk away dazed and confused and arguing of all things about who's going to be the biggest and best in the kingdom. Peter says when Jesus talks about his death and resurrection, no, 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 I'm going to go there with you. And when Jesus says, I'm going to die, he is rebuked instead. Again and again, those who should understand just don't. They don't get what's going on, and so they fail to share the good news. Now, the second part of Mark's characteristics writing is that those who do get it, those who recognize Jesus and would proclaim who he is loud and clear, are the demons. Well, and you just can't trust them with the information. My friends, the ending suits us. 
Jesus has told us again and again, done all manner of signs and wonders around us, and we sit in our tombs unable to grasp the good news right in front of us. Thanks be to God, that's not news. The way Mark tells us, the response is downright predictable. <coughs> the ending is illustrative of our spiritual lives, worried about stones and unable to receive the good news of a risen Savior when the evidence is right in front of us. So why on earth would Mark write this way? Well, it's very simple. Because Mark's gospel doesn't focus on our response. It focuses on the generosity of God's spirit. Mark's focus is on the fact that Jesus isn't here because he has better things than to do than walk around and wait around empty tombs. The young man dressed in white delivers the news that Jesus isn't there like some administrative assistant. You looking for Jesus? Oh, so sorry. You just missed him. You've missed him because he's moved on to other pressing business. Do we get it that the resurrected Lord has no intention of giving us time to sit around pondering whether we're going to believe in this sort of resurrection stuff or not? It's no mistake that Jesus has explained already that he's going to Galilee. Now the young man reminds them of the scheduled rendezvous. It is Jesus they want, then they've got to get moving. The emphasis of this encounter is on the statement, there you will see him, just as he told you. You've got to move to meet him. Mark realizes that they will only begin to understand the resurrection in the days ahead as they begin to live resurrected lives following Jesus and picking up his mission. The meaning of resurrection unfolds in us as we live, where we work, whether we gather in community. They'll only begin to understand as they have worship with family and friends, neighbors and strangers, as the poor are fed and the prisoners and the sick are visited, and the message begins to spread. The good news at the tomb is directional in nature. It points to Galilee, out into the world where Jesus had begun his work with them, returning death in life, into life. The message at the tomb is to find Jesus in the old familiar places and to keep going over it again and again to find their lives resurrected. Would that we could think about it this way. Anne Lamont says, earth 
is forgiveness school. And I think she's right. The women fail miserably. We will too. They are unable to report a single thing to the disciples or anyone else. They aren't met by a Jesus who reassures them, but by a messenger that says, get going. Figure this out on your way. They're so afraid and shocked that, my friends, they're going to have to start this journey to Galilee by forgiving themselves. Thanks be to God. On the way, maybe they'll discover that everyone misunderstands or misinterprets things, that people are broken, clingy, and scared, even the people who seem to be in a position to have it mostly together. Remember this for a moment. Do you remember how Jesus often scolded his disciples for their slowness to believe? But never once... Never once, never once when he was risen did he hold them accountable for being cowards when he died or their slowness to believe. On this rock of earth we call forgiveness school, it is so time to try and pick up our stuff and go back to Galilee, back into the old familiar places where Jesus promises to meet us and to teach us about resurrected life. Now, why is this such good news? Mark's ending without the rest of the story, with its incompleteness, It clearly reflects the great good news that God is in charge. A God that can do a new thing in Jesus can do a new thing in you and me. And we don't have to have perfect endings. We need a Jesus that invites us to move forward to help show us how to get there. We don't need clarity about the future as much as we need the steady companionship of a worshiping community that strives to follow faithfully. It is perfectly acceptable in this forgiveness school to utter our praises of a risen Christ and still wonder what it will mean in the days ahead. All of us this week when we watched Notre Dame burn had a pit in our stomachs, whether we've ever been there or not. Nine centuries worth of history in flames. The pictures after the fire was much under control was, of course, it was dark. And so the firefighters are shining lights in through the smoldering of the building, and it strikes that gold cross undamaged and shining like sunshine. There were people outside singing and praying 
Ave Maria rose up from the masses. Now this morning, Notre Dame is a tomb. It's as empty as it can be. And yet, that didn't stop Easter from coming. It's just a tomb. Make no mistake that they will get to Galilee. They will not forget the rock that they stand on, and neither will we. This is forgiveness school and time to move forward and to find the grace of Christ in the days ahead. I want to close with this. We saw where the body of Jesus was laid, laid within a tomb, and we asked, who will roll the stone away? Who will roll away the stone? We heard the angels say, Christ is risen. Behold, his empty tomb. And we asked where to go to find him now that he's gone. The angel said he's going ahead of you to Galilee. He's gone. And we ask what he'll do in Galilee in the place we know is home. The angel said you'll find him where new life lifts hearts of those in tombs. So we ask to be those who serve him, who show that life is one, We find him risen, feeding the hungry, risen among the poor, and we meet him among the friendless and bringing the homeless home. Thus we say today in our Galilee, pointing to the empty tomb, see where God is rolling the stone away, is rolling away the stone. Don't let the stones in your lives keep you from knowing the promise that you're invited into the journey. You who believe sometimes and sometimes not, you are loved, treasured, and the message is for both you and me. Thanks be to God.